Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are talking punting. Uh, how to punt, when should you punt, and uh, what are different ways that you can punt. Let's go. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys NBA and on Instagram at Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball. Uh, first solo podcast of the preseason uh, this year. Obviously, we all know that Callum is away on holidays, so uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of my voice over these preseason. Hopefully, you don't get sick of it too soon. But we're starting, you know, last podcast. If you haven't checked out already, we've done our top twelve uh, fantasy players, our mock round, mock first round draft. Um, so check that out if you haven't already. I'll probably be doing another one close to the start of the season uh, where it will just be my rankings and also doing a bit of stuff on points leagues and roto leagues just so we can cover all bases there. But today we're going to continue our run or, or, or maybe a brisk walk at the moment into the start of the preseason um, talking about punting. And um, if you've ever listened to any of our podcasts before, you know we go on and on and on about punting. Um, and uh, we, I believe, and, and Callum, I think, also agrees with me that this is a very important strategy to use to gain a big advantage in your head-to-head category leagues. Um, so we're going to break it down. Um, there'll be some basic sort of stuff that you might not already know if you've used, done this before, or there'll be also some stuff in here that we'll discuss that might be new to you or you haven't quite considered before. So um, if you're enjoying the content, guys, if, you, if you're looking forward to fantasy basketball season, give this video a big thumbs up. Share the podcast. Uh, if you are listening over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us a rating as well. Um, that's really going to help us pump out a lot more uh, content over the preseason and into the season as well. So um, even if you're listening over on YouTube, take a minute, pause the video, go over to the Apple Podcast version and uh, give us a rating. You know, say something like "Mitch is cool," "Callum stinks," or something like that. You know, while Callum's not here, we can uh, we can kind of give him a little bit of a kick while he's down. Uh, but let's get stuck into it. First um, thing we want to discuss, punting. What is it? Okay. Um, pretty simple. We are intentionally ignoring one or more categories when we are punting. So a lot of the times people will accidentally or um, confuse punting with intentionally being bad at a certain category. For example, if I'm going to be punting free throw percentage, I'm not trying to select every single bad free throw percentage player in the league. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just simply ignoring that category 
and trying to basically, instead of valuing every player on a nine-category basis, which is the standard, I'm now doing eight categories, and I've just eliminated free throws. So what it does is it um, concentrates the value into those eight categories instead of spreading it over those nine. So that's what it is. Um, It's not trying to be bad in a particular category. It's just ignoring it completely. So I guess the next question you would ask then is, why, why would we punt? Okay, And there's a few different reasons. Firstly, punting, this podcast, and and we're going to do a bit of a series on these pods as well based on punting, it's probably more to do so with your, well, it's actually only to do so with your head-to-head category leagues. Um, You can't punt in points leagues, obviously, because everything's just points, right? You're just trying to get the most fantasy points as you possibly can. And in roto leagues, you might be able to get away with maybe like a soft punt, but it's not something I would really recommend too much, or I wouldn't bake it into my evaluations too much um, when competing in a roto league. So this is more so for your head-to-head category leagues, uh, which the vast majority of leagues are. So why would you punt? So firstly, like I said before, it concentrates your your value in a few different categories. So if I've got nine categories and I'm spread out, it's, it's much harder to be excellent in all nine categories than it is to be excellent in five or six, right? And when you're competing in a head-to-head categories to win your matchup, you only need to win five categories. If you win five categories, you you, you win the matchup. And especially if you're in, in a um, uh, most most wins category league. So say, for example, if your scoring system is set up that if you win your category, you get one point for that week. Uh, I usually recommend doing the um, the other version where if I win 5-4, my record shows 5-4. Um, so that gives a, a, a team that maybe dominates 7-2 a bit of a leg up, and, and they should get rewarded for that, in my opinion. So, um, But even more so applicable if you are in that setting where if you win 5-4, you just get a point, and if you lose, you get no points. Um, so if we concentrate our value into those five categories, we've got a better chance at winning our matchup week to week. The other reason that you would do this is because you're going to get extra value out of players that other people, if they're not punting the same thing that you are, they might be knocking down their draft board. So an example is, um, let's say, for example, we all if you guys watched our first round mock draft, spoilers if you haven't, um, but I've got Giannis ranked as my number two player. Now, he will never be the number two ranked player in a nine-category setting because his free throw percentage drags him down so much. But he is, if you take that category away, he is consensusly the second best player in fantasy behind Jokic. Um, So if you are able to punt that category, you might be able to get the second best player in your build at pick six, seven, eight, nine, if other people are not looking to do that. So obviously that's your first round. It's a bit different. And that can happen throughout the entire draft. You know, someone uh, who's a good example Someone like uh, a Yusuf Nurkic, who is uh, a poor free throw percentage guy, he might be ranked as like someone outside the top 100, but as soon as you switch that punt ranking on, um, he is going to come in a fair way into like a top 50 type of player. So, and if you're drafting him at pick 90, pick 100, uh, well, there's 50 spots of value in your build in the categories that you're trying to look after. So it is a, a really good way to to get extra value out of your players uh, and to improve the, the team and the stats that you're looking to be competitive in. Um, now, obviously, 
it does mean that you are going to be at a disadvantage in most cases in some categories, but it doesn't necessarily um, mean that all all the time. For example, uh, I think we've said this before that we're obviously in a head-to-head league, we're using week-by-week sample sizes. So I've had times in the past where I'm punting field goal percentage, um, but my team just gets real hot one week and we all shoot great field goal percentage and I win that category for that week. I've also had instances, uh, funnily enough, in my it happened to me last year, I was um, punting field goal percentage, but I was looking after my free throw percentage very, very well. And I was coming up against the team that was punting free throw percentage. And just for whatever reason, my team's free throw percentage on that particular week was terrible. His team with Giannis, everyone started hitting all these shots and, and making their free throws. His was really good. And he actually beat me in that in that week just weird circumstances. On a seasonal um, sample size, I was 15 percentage points better than him in free throw percentage. But just on that one week, that one concentrated smaller sample size, uh, he was able to get an upper hand in me. So just because we're not looking at that category doesn't mean that we can't accidentally be competitive in that category. And, you know, sometimes we find random things like uh, players just suddenly develop, you know, an excellent steal rate or or their threes are greatly improved. And if we're punting that category and we don't expect them, it's just a nice surprise. It's not something to really um, stress over too much. <clears throat> so um, how does punting affect a player's value? So when we are typically looking at a rankings list, and rankings lists can be tricky, most of the time on Yahoo, ESPN, uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing over in Fantrax with that score system, but on those standard ranking lists, usually they're weighting all nine categories, and this is once the season gets started, usually you'll have a rankings of X player ranked um, da-da-da. That will take into account all nine categories um, weighted equally. So, like we said before, if we can remove one of those categories, it's going to be vastly different to that standard rankings that the, those major sites have. So or I always preach a little bit of caution when looking at overall ranks because they're not usually the most indicative of a player's value. It's always important to take into account what are they actually providing you with their stats um, and what, um, you know, if there's one or two categories that are just dramatically dragging their, their value down. Usually the percentages are usually the big ones. So um, a few years ago, players like, DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond um, were always ranked like outside the top 100, uh, even though, you know, a player like Drummond was giving you like 15 rebounds, two steals, you know, excellent field goal percentage. His free throw percentage was just that bad that it just, that weighting of that particular category just brought everything way down uh, when you average it all out. So if you remove that category, everything else was just elevated and that was enough to sort of saw him up 70, 80 spots. So um, it can have a pretty dramatic rise in players' category, especially if you then start to uh, combine two different stats if you're punting maybe multiple categories. Um, The one thing I will say is it does, when we are considering punting and like what I'm going to refer to later on as uh, punt ranks, it does punish players who are a bit more um, balanced, for example. So if we look in the first round, a player like a Carl Anthony Towns or a Jason Tatum, um, whilst they have good areas of their game, you know, uh, for example, um, Tatum might be an excellent point scorer, for the most part, they're, they're usually a good contributor in a lot of different stats, but but nothing super high 
or super low. Uh, on the flip side, you've got someone like a Trey Young. So Trey Young, huge boost in assists, huge boost in free throw percentage, points, um, threes, but no blocks, um, no rebounds, lots of turnovers. So there's there's a big discrepancies between his positives and his negatives. So when you have a player like that, if I'm punting the, the stuff that's really dragging his value down, his value is going to increase a lot, right? Whereas a player like a Tatum, if it, I think his worst category was like blocks uh, or, or field goal percentage, although I think it'll be better this year. But let's say you know, he's averaging 0.6 blocks per game. That's actually not that bad. It's still his worst category, but it's it's not as bad as Trey Young's blocks. Do you know what I mean? Which is at 0.1. So his value is getting a bigger boost than someone like a Tatum. So uh, always do keep that in mind that when we are doing these punt rankings, it does reward those guys with uh, higher um, uh, higher peaks and lower valleys. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Um, we'll also talk, let's talk about a hard punt and a soft punt. So I, I had this question recently about um, someone was saying that they like to, to soft punt uh, free throw percentage and things like that. It's an, it's, it's an interesting point. Often, often when we're talking about uh, a hard punt or a typical normal punt, we, like we said before, we are ignoring the value of that category. Um, when we're doing a soft punt, we are basically, what we're describing is we're saying that we're going to be applying a different weighting to that category. Normal example would be like a 50%. So uh, this can be doable, and a lot of this can be doable rankings-wise if you guys go check over basketballmonster.com, which is uh, an excellent website. I would definitely recommend everyone has a play around there. Even if you're not a member, you can have a play around with their um, 2021 and 22 rankings, and you can use their punt uh, feature on there. So on there, you can also play around with their weighting. So on the right-hand side, you can click the button that says Show Weighting, and instead of just clicking the punt button up the top there, you can also toggle uh, how much weighting you want to give to a category. And this is an interesting way to go about things because um, sometimes you might come into a draft and you are wanting, or you, you say you draft... Giannis or something like that and, and, you, and you, okay I'm going to punt free throw percentage but then you're also competing with some other guys okay actually let's let's say you punt you, you draft Luca let's say Luca for example you draft Luca you're wanting to punt free throw percentage because his value is weighed down by that so you want to maximize your first rounds player and um, and uh, something I would recommend but the other team that's also punting that category is the Giannis team now what you might want to do is then instead of going a full punt on the free throw percentage, you might want to put a little bit of weighting into the free throw percentage, maybe like 25% or 50%, so that you're not, um, you're still looking after your free throw percentage enough to beat that other team. Um, And that will become important because if you're punting the same categories, chances are the players that you're looking at increasing a lot of value, that other team's going to be looking at also increasing a lot of value. So you might find yourself fighting over the same kinds of players. Um, so for that reason, sometimes it can be rewarding to to add a, a, a weighting to a category and do what we call a, a soft punt. So um, a little bit harder to keep track of and it does make things a little bit more confusing than just ignoring a category completely. But um, for those of you who are in leagues that that do involve a lot of other teams that punt, it is a strategy that I that I would recommend at least experimenting with and, and seeing how you go with it. So um, now we've talked a lot about sort of single category punts. Let's talk 
multi-category punts. So this can be a bit of a slippery slope. Um, I think a lot of the time it can be fun if you, like you said, if you're over on Basketball Monster and you're playing around with it and you, you know, you start to look at, okay, I've got a player here. I've got someone who is, let's have a look at um, Trey Young's an excellent example. So let's have a look at Trey Young on Basketball Monster. If I look at his value, his value, like we said, huge boost to assists, huge boost to free throw percentage, um, a huge boost to points, but big negatives when we've got rebounds, blocks, turnovers, and his field goal percentage is also a negative. So I could get really creative here, and I could turn on the punts for all four of those categories. And if I do that, let me just... I'm doing along with you guys on Basketball Monster, blocks and rebounds. He comes out as, surprise, surprise, the number one player in fantasy basketball, right? So, okay... Theoretically, you've now got, okay, if I do this, I now have the best player for this build, which is great. Um, that's what you want. So it is. it does dramatically change a player's value. However, it does present a little bit of risk. Um, now, obviously, you can't do more than four categories because what's the point? You're trying to win five, four most weeks, unless you're doing a, a setting where you've got more than nine categories, uh, which is the... You know, vast majority of leagues do have eight or nine categories out there. So four is usually the maximum. Um, you can do it, but just be aware that you will need to win those five categories every single week, okay? And that can be tough. That can be really, really hard, especially for categories like points. Everyone loves to score points. Um, so be very mindful that points are going to be a big contention for you and you have to outscore your opponent every single week. Um, like I said before, the percentages can be tough. Like I was a punt field goal. Uh, last year, I punted field goal, rebound blocks and turnovers. And I still one week lost to the team that was punting free throw percentage. I lost to them in free throw percentage. So, uh, and, and ultimately that meant that I lost that week because that was the one category that I, that I couldn't get on top of. Um, and then, and steals. Steals is the other big one because most Punt strategies don't involve steals. It can be hard to punt that category. A lot of um, steals are very spread out amongst the draft when we're talking about statistical scarcity. So it is really important that you um, understand that there is a lot of risk doing a strategy like that. It can be done, and and I've had a lot of success doing strategies like that, and I've seen other um, teams do well with that kind of strategy. But just understand that there are a lot of risks. On the upside, though, if, for example one of your first round players goes down or your second round player goes down, you are very much insulated with the stats that that player gives because you can get someone like a, let's scroll down in this punt build, for example, you could get someone like a Gary Trent Jr. last year. You could have got him in the in the hundreds. He was the 22nd ranked player in this, in this build. You could have gotten a um, Donovan Mitchell in the second or third round last year. He was the eighth ranked player in this kind of a build. You're very insulated with those stats that you're looking for. Um, so even if you go down and you lose a lot of points, assists, threes, free throw percentage with Trey... Um, because if you're looking after those other ones, you're going to have a lot of other guys that do the same kind of thing, right? So you might be able to withstand injuries a little bit better than if I'm a bit more of a balanced team. And let's say I'm trying to look after all of my stats and I, and then all of a sudden Rudiger Bear goes down. Well, shit, my blocks, I'm screwed, right? I'm, I'm going to find it very hard to win that category. If that was something I was relying on that week, it's going to be very difficult for me because I w- all my eggs were in that basket. 
So it is one of the advantages, but like we said, it's um, it's something that carries a lot of a lot of risks. So um, if you're a bit new to, to testing the waters with puntings, I probably w- wouldn't recommend it. I would probably stick to maybe um, just the the one or two, maybe three. Um, and, and in saying that, not all. It, it is important to select the categories that we're punting um, specifically, right? So what you want to try and do is try and align categories that are correlated um, and that when you punt both of them, it's going to boost a lot of specific type of players up a lot. So a good example might be that um, you want to punt uh, field goal percentage and um, turnovers, Okay, so then you're going to get a lot of these guards um, come up. They're going to improve in value. Um, that might be a really good way. Or field goal percentage and blocks. So all these guys that are shooting the ball a lot but not blocking shots are going to be a lot higher up on your value. And players like a Rudy Gobert, Robert Williams, who are big in those categories are going to fall a lot in, in your draft. So you're not worried about those kind of players. It wouldn't make much sense to punt. Um, it wouldn't make much sense to punt free throw percentage and... Um, uh, what's another one I'm talking about? Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't punt threes, and then you wouldn't then punt rebounds because then you've got two categories that that aren't really linked, which means it all kind of just you know falls out in the wash in in the in the end anyway. So um, make sure you're trying to pick ca- categories that are correlated together so that the players you are selecting are still concentrated in the value that you're trying trying to, to build and be competitive in. So the last little point that I wanted to discuss today is, um, well, okay, now that I'm, I'm keen on punting, all right, which I hope you are, uh, I'm, I'm big on it, um, how do I choose my punt strategy? Now, a big mistake that I see a lot of people make, and, and let's we'll talk snake drafts first and then we'll talk auctions uh, later because they're a bit different. In a snake draft, I think you're going to get yourself in a bit of trouble if you go into your draft and you go, okay, I'm punting this. I, I know this is my favorite punt strategy. I'm going to I'm going to go in and punt this. And say, for example, you go, I'm going to punt field goal percentage. I love punting field goal percentage. It's the best one. Um, and then you're at pick 10. And for whatever reason, Giannis comes to you at pick 10 and you go, well, I'm punting field goal percentage. Giannis isn't that good. I, I'm going to draft... Um, Paul George or whatever might be your your top ranked guy when you punt a field goal percentage. In my opinion, that's not the way to go about it because you're missing out on a lot of value um, that presented itself to you in the draft. What I like to do, and I'm going to maybe go into this a little bit more in detail in another podcast, but I'm trying to work on uh, a system where I give players what I'm calling uh, a punt rank. Okay, And usually it's most effective in the first one to two rounds, maybe one to three rounds, where you basically rank the player based on punting their worst category. And I, what I also do is I give a 50% weighting on turnovers. So I don't, I don't always punt turnovers, but I'll give it 50% because what that does, for me, turnovers is kind of like a, a category that all the best players turn the ball over, essentially. And... And there's a few rare exceptions, but for the most part, um, it doesn't give you a good example or a good uh, evaluation on, on who's the best players in fantasy basketball when you include turnovers as equally weighted as some of those other categories. So for me, I'll punt their worst category, and then I'll turn turnovers to 50%. And that's, one of, that's what's going to be 
a 50, uh, sorry, my punt ranking, okay? So I'm going to use that to basically figure out my first round and then obviously you, you decide injury risk and all those kind of things and, and, and you've got your rankings of your first 12 players or maybe even your first 20 players and then depending on when you draft, so say I'm pick 10 again, okay? The best player in that ranking, at pick, whoever comes to me at pick 10, let's say for this example, it's Lamella Ball, okay? So I... You know, Lamella Ball, his punt, uh, his worst category is field goal percentage. So when I punt that, oh, crap, he's he's one of the best players available. Um, so he's going to be high up on my rankings. Now, I then use that first player to then decide, okay, I'm going to build my team around this player. All right? And it makes the, the rest of my draft a lot easier. Uh, it, it gives me a clearer idea of what I'm looking for. Okay? Um the biggest thing from there is to decide, okay, how many categories am I punting? So what I would always recommend is being as flexible as possible for as long as possible. So you could easily, with a player like LaMelo Ball, um, jump in, okay, field goal percentage. Uh, I also want to punt blocks. He's not very good at blocks. Uh, he rebounds okay. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll put that on 50%. He turns the ball over a lot. Let's punt turnovers. So now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm already, before I've even selected my second player, I'm punting three or four categories. So whereas you could get someone come around later in the draft that provides really good value in rebounds or really good blocks and, and you you know maybe you didn't think he was going to be there or whatever the case may be. And, you, and because you've already committed to that kind of punt, you, you might lose out a bit of value. So... Um, there does come a point where sometimes you have to make that call and you go, okay, well, look, am I going to be able to salvage this category? Am I about to get blocks later? There's not really many guys left, so let's just ignore that category. Um, but I don't think that you should be locking yourself into that in the first one to two rounds. I would be trying to keep my keep my options open at least until round three or four. Um, and then from there, you can sort of, you, you would have a better understanding of what your team is and, and how it's going to look. And you can now concentrate a bit more on those categories. So um, yes, try to stay as flexible as long as you can uh, would be my advice there. Um, for players that are a bit more balanced, like your cat, Tatum, even Jokic to a certain extent. These guys might not dictate your punt on them alone. What I would do with those guys, because like we said before, they've got a few categories that they're just maybe slightly below average or or slightly above average. I would let my second or third round picks dictate my punt from there. So say, for example, I've got, I've got Carl Anthony Towns and, um, you know, I'm not sure which way I'm going to go. He's my first pick. But on the second round, I get someone that comes to me. And let's say let's say it's like LeBron James, right? Okay, LeBron James in that punt ranking moves up a lot because of his free throw percentage is poor. So he's going to be a beneficiary. And he might be the highest guy that I've got on that punt rankings that I did for my first round. So he's going to be the guy that I select. And now I know that even though Carly Towns is a good free throw percentage shooter, fine, who cares? I'm now going to be punting free throw percentage and I'm going to be building almost around LeBron, but Cat's a great, still a great player to have there as well. Um, if LeBron wasn't there or, or you had someone higher, um, say someone like uh, Damian Lillard or Atari's Halliburton. So now I'm going to look at, well, let's say Damian Lillard for he's a bit more of an obvious example. Now I'm going to be looking more, okay, Lillard's weaknesses are field goal percentage. Cat helps me with my rebounds, so I don't have to necessarily punt that. But now I'm going to be looking at punting field goal percentage because 
you know, maybe Cat's going to play a bit more power forward. He's going to shoot more threes. I think his field goal percentage might go down. Um, but now I'm looking a bit more to that, that free throw percentage. Again, I don't have to because if on the third round, if that comes back around and there's a great player like, I don't know, say if no one's drafting Anthony Davis and he comes back, well, shit, now, you're, now your blocks are strong and now your rebounds are strong again. Now you And, and you've got to sort of now decide, okay, I've got what I consider to be good value with all three of these players, where am I at? Where am I weakest at? All right, let's start to... And, and usually by round three, I, I think you should start to get a good idea of where you're heading in your draft. Um, but but especially with those balanced guys, don't lock yourself in too early. Keep yourself flexible. Um, lastly, when, when we're talking about an auction draft, obviously you've got a chance at getting any player um, different to a snake draft. You don't have to wait until your first pick. You could draft anyone um, so in this instance, I'm fine. Go ahead and pick your favorite punt strategy. Um, for me, in that kind of um, one, I think I've said it a few times, but I, I'm loving a punt points strategy this year, especially in an auction draft because uh, people love points, man. Um, I think those guys that don't score a lot, you're gonna get you're gonna get bloody cheap. So I think in that kind of a strategy, that's one thing that I would be looking at. So. You can go ahead before your draft and figure out, okay, if I'm turning off this category, how much do I value, in a dollar sense, um, each of these players with that category already punted? Um, you still need to keep in mind, though, that, you know, say, for example, someone else is doing the same thing, you might be bidding each other up. So still allow yourself to have that flexibility, um, especially if you're thinking of doing more than one um, category to punt. But it is something that you can prepare for more so before the draft even starts, um, at least to get your values kind of um, where you think they need to be. So um, definitely something that you can do a bit more aggressively in an auction draft. So um, that will do it for us today, guys. We're going to keep coming at you with some more videos, some more podcasts about punting. In the next pod, I'm going to be going through basically my favorite punt strategies and, uh, and then some strategies that I don't like as much So uh, and explaining myself there. So if you have any questions, comments, let us know uh, on YouTube. Uh, li- again, like we said before, please give this video a big thumbs up. We've got lots of videos, lots of co- uh, content coming to you soon. We also have something very excited planned for you guys that I'm dying to tell you guys, but I cannot reveal it just yet. Just going to make sure that everything is uh, set up the way I want it to be. So, But stay tuned for some more news. Make sure you follow us on on Twitter at BallBoysNBA for all of that news and content as well. And um, we will catch you guys next time. Laters.